Good morning and welcome to Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. This morning for the communion devotional, I'll be sharing my testimony. Uh, I'll be giving, I gave an in-depth testimony in 1998, several years after I joined the church. And I'll be using that structure this morning, but I'm going to expand it more to point out God's hand working in my life. Let's open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for another Lord's Day, another opportunity to come to your house, to gather with your people, and to worship you. Lord, this morning, at this hour, as I'll share my testimony, I pray that we would see your hand at work in my life and the life of my family. Lord, you work in each of our lives, and I pray that you would receive all the glory and that our minds would be pointed to you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Each of us has a Christian history, the story of God's working in a life. I'm thankful for the opportunity to share with you God's mighty hand as he's worked in my life. The psalmist has stated, our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. I was at one time separate from Christ, excluded and a stranger to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, I have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I was chosen before the foundation of the world and have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. My hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance imperishable and undefiled and protected by the power of God through faith. In sharing my Christian history with you, I pray that you will observe the hand of God as he has ordained the affairs of my life. It gives me great contentment to know that the Lord has ordered all of my life to his glory and for my good. As the psalmist has also said, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Every believer has their own particular story of God's working in their own life. God uses so many things to prepare us and then draw us to himself. No man is an island. God orders and arranges our lives in amazing ways. Each believer should strive to see his providence working in their life. I have the blessing of growing up in a Christian home and in the church. I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's interesting to note, not that I remember much of the early days, that was too long ago, that my parents attended a Reformed church for a number of years. When I was eight, we moved to Lake Havasu City, where I spent the rest of my childhood before leaving for college. And I guess I should mention I'm an only child, so you won't hear brothers or sisters in this story. Uh, The church we attended in Havasu was evangelical in character, dispensational in eschatology, and incorporated the gospel message in its preaching. I grew up believing that an assurance of salvation involved knowing the date and time of one's salvation. This was stressed many, many, many times. However, I do not know for sure when the Lord changed my heart. I seem to remember when I was five or six asking my mom how to ask Jesus into my heart. Yet in elementary school and in junior high, I made sure of my salvation countless times by asking Jesus into my heart repeatedly. This emphasis on having a salvation experience troubled me well into my 30s with thoughts of how could I be saved 
look how little you're doing for the kingdom, and so forth. I received most of my Bible knowledge from the church and was quite active in the, youth, in the youth programs of the church. Although there were times of doubt, the Lord kept me from straying from him, and I believed myself to be his child. When I was 12 or 13, I was baptized. In junior high and high school, I played the clarinet in the band, and there's a point to the story. I'll get to it. And in my freshman year of high school, I also took a drafting class as an elective, Since my dad was an architect, the class seemed like a good idea. And I did quite well. At that level, the drafting work was easy. So I was eager to take the second-year class my sophomore year. However, that class met at 7 a.m. That was a problem, not because of how early it started, but because band also started at 7 a.m. The drafting instructor lobbied very hard for his class. I ended up going with band. As a result... I needed a different elective, so I chose electronics. This teacher was quite progressive at that time, 1976-1977. We ended up building microcomputers from scratch. We even had an original Apple computer where we had to load the operating system from cassette tape. If you don't know what cassette tape is, ask somebody older. When school was out each day, I was in the electronics lab until the instructor kicked several of us out so we could go home. In the yearbook, he wrote, remember where it all started. The reason I share that little story is because the conflict between band and drafting was the means God used in directing me towards my first career where I worked with computer systems for 25 years. In this situation, it was only hindsight that revealed the purposes of God, but his hand was there to be seen. Throughout high school, The Lord protected me and basically gave me a sheltered life. While Havasu was a small town, it was also a new town. It was founded in 64. We moved there in 69. The developer worked hard to bring active professionals from all walks of life to the town. As a result, the turmoil that larger cities faced during the 70s was only something we observed on the TV news. When I came to the Los Angeles area for college in 79, and heard people refer to Watts, I thought they were talking about light bulbs. I had no knowledge of the Watts Wyatts that occurred in the mid-60s. Most of my friends growing up were from church, and the general character of my peers was positive and moral. It's interesting to note that as a youth, I was very shy. I did not like to be in front of people. I could say that again to make a point, but I don't need to. But the Lord had plans for me, and being reserved was something that he would work on in spite of my objections. Toward the end of one summer, I think it was going into my junior year, our youth pastor was going to be leaving for a new assignment, and that was in two weeks. And he said, Mike, I need to teach you the guitar so that you can lead the singing for the youth group. That struck deep fear into my heart. He taught, he taught me some basic chords, and then I was in front of the youth group every time we met, leading singing. And in that time frame, I was somehow elected to be the youth group president. Now I was running youth group meetings and speaking in front of my peers. Talk about terrifying. I'd like to share another incident from my sophomore year of high school. And the point of sharing these is that through hindsight, I can see God's hand working in my life. These seemingly insignificant events become milestones or signposts of God's working 
and we can praise him all the more for what he has done. In my sophomore English class, we had to give a two to three minute speech. The instructor worked with us through the process of picking a subject, developing an outline, and then preparing the speech. And then it was my turn. I completed my speech in 30 seconds. The teacher asked if I prepared an outline, and I said, yes. And one of my friends, John Chagis, I can remember his name to this day, he was sitting right in front of me, and he reached up and grabbed my notes, looked it over, and then pronounced to the class, he read his outline. That was all I could do. After high school, I came to California to attend Azusa Pacific University. My plan was to attend APU for two years and then transfer to the University of Arizona for a computer science degree. However, after only one semester at APU, those transfer plans were forgotten. Beginning my sophomore year, I obtained a job working in the data processing center. This job would eventually become my full-time job by my senior year. I would realize important on-the-job training and experience through this. Remember that my plan was to return to Arizona my junior year. We'll come back to this in a bit and see why God redirected my path. I received much benefit from my religion classes at APU. One class I still remember was on the Book of Acts. The professor was very wise and instructive in guiding us through that book of history. At that time, the charismatic church made a, a lot of emphasis and waves about signs and wonders within the evangelical church. But my professor continually stressed that the signs and wonders were not to be ongoing works, but were done to establish the New Testament church. At college, I continued to seek the Lord and endeavored to walk with him. I began attending a conservative Baptist church in Glendora and became involved at, with the college group and then the singles group. While there, I met a lovely young lady who eventually became my bride. That story is interesting, though, because after we went out on several dates while I was in college, she said, Mike, we have to have a talk. And I knew what that meant. It was the just friends talk. <laughs> I, could, I could have some fun with this at Linda's expense, but I won't. <laughs> Nonetheless, throughout the singles group, we continued spending time together, which prepared the way for later on when it was the Lord's time to bring us together. Uh, just for time frame, I think it was 83, my senior year when we had that talk, and it was in 86 when we got together. So the Lord, 83 was not correct. 86 was God's time. What's also interesting to note, though, is that Linda's family had recently moved to California from Pennsylvania just after she graduated from high school. So the Lord brought us together from opposite ends of the country to a church in Glendora, and remember that I wanted to complete my schooling in Arizona, but God kept me in California. That seemingly little and inconsequential details are the intricate workings of God's providence. We see his providence in scripture. We must likewise pay attention to his workings in our own lives. And certainly I am thankful for God's working in this way to bring two strangers from opposite ends of the country together so we could join our lives together. Shortly after college, the Lord placed on my heart an interest in missions. I attended the Urbana 84 Missions Conference in Illinois and learned much about missions opportunities. At that conference, there were about 18,000 youth, that's my recollection of the number, that were attending, 
at one of the large gatherings in the arenas, we would sing both hymns and choruses. And it was amazing to hear that many voices singing some of the great hymns of the church together. It's just a small taste of the myriads upon myriads of in heaven that will be singing praise to Christ. Three months before Linda and I were married in 86, I had the privilege to go to the Orient, mostly Taiwan, for short-term mission work. Aside from being the longest three weeks of my life, being apart from my bride-to-be, the Lord really opened my eyes to life in the rest of the world. It was one thing to hear about missions growing up and meeting missionaries, but it was quite another thing to actually leave America and see firsthand life in other countries, particularly those less developed than us. After getting married, Linda and I decided to use our vacation time from work and do short-term missions work before we had kids. We were able to spend two weeks in Macau, the Portuguese territory territory by Hong Kong, and then the following year, two weeks in Guatemala City in Guatemala. Around the time we were married was when I can look back and see God beginning to bring me to a knowledge and understanding of the doctrines of grace. My dad was also going down a similar path, and he was a little ahead of me. I learned much from periodicals like the Banner of Truth, Reformation Today, and Free Grace Grace Broadcaster that he would give to me after he finished reading them, although he wanted them back, too. Some of the books I remember reading included Pink's Sovereignty of God, which at that time was a very difficult read for me, with the doctrines being new to me, Also, The Five Points of Calvinism by Steele and Thomas, and Election, Love Before Time by Johns. As God revealed more of his grace to me, I'd share with Linda what I was learning. God was working in her so that she also saw these truths as found in Scripture. Although the new ideas were not comfortable, we both recognized them to be correct. God was most gracious to bring her along the same path with me. Having a spouse who agrees with you spiritually is a tremendous blessing, and for me, an inspiration. It's interesting to observe that our process of reforming to the doctrines of grace took several years and did not have a distinct time or pivotal moment of reformation. So for me, my conversion of heart and my conversion of doctrine do not have specific dates associated with them. And that's quite fine. As I reflect on my life, I can honestly say that God has worked in my heart and in the affairs of my life, so knowing specific times and places are not necessary. Let me digress and expand on the idea of seeing God's hand in your life. I do believe it is vital to regularly look back on your life and reflect how God has worked, or where I was struggling and how he brought me through it. This is done in many of the Psalms, for example. But we must not become so introspective that we only see failure after failure or misery upon misery or look back on an important decision that was made and to realize now that a wrong choice was made and now there are consequences to deal with, so you belittle and berate yourself for the choice that was made. First, ungodly introspection is wrong because it ignores and denies the hand of God. God is indeed working. As believers, we are to search and to see his hand at work. God is not in the business of removing hard times, He is in the loving business of using those difficult times for our sanctification, preparing us for eternity. Second, looking back and condemning oneself for a decision is foolish, unless, of course, you were foolish when you made the decision. I did do a little bit of that in college, 
And I realized now that a decision that was made was done with the information available at that time. While the consequences may not be desirable, I lacked the information that I now have in the future. Hindsight is 2020. We need to use that hindsight to improve our decision-making in the future, not to condemn ourselves for the past. Again, God is sanctifying us, instructing us, maturing us. We need to trust him through that process. Of course, I'm not referring to moral decisions and issues. Those are right and wrong choices. Rather, it's the non-moral decisions, like choosing a job, a place to live, what activities to do, what car to buy, etc. In time, our growth in the Reformed faith brought us trouble in the church we were attending. However, it was not because of the five points of Calvinism, but the foundation upon which they are built, that is, holding fast to Scripture as our only rule of faith and conduct. In standing upon this principle, we attempted to biblically challenge the action of one of the church leaders. The response was quite scathing and unexpected. I did not expect such actions to come from people within the church. Again, I grew up in Havasu. I was sheltered, etc., etc. After receiving some godly counsel, we remained at that fellowship for a little while longer as we still had opportunity to share biblical truths with others. And we did not want to leave simply because things got uncomfortable for us. As the Lord began to bless us with children, he impressed upon us the need to catechize them. We also desired to have them sit with us during the church service. These were seeds that would eventually bring us to sovereign grace. In time, I came to discover at that church that I had been blackballed and disallowed from participating in ministry. In speaking with my elder and the senior pastor, the matter could not be resolved. Linda and I clearly saw that God was leading us away after 14 years at the church. It was time to leave, and this was the summer of 94. Many things occurred during those last several years, some of which are now almost humorous. Through one particular series of events, I was accused of being the Bible police in Sunday school. The Sunday school teacher evidently felt that he had to watch what he would say and had to make sure the lesson included the Bible each week. Well, duh. Although it was meant negatively, I believe that every Christian should be the Bible police. We would call that being a Berean. Through the difficulties at that church, I was compelled to search the scripture on several issues. Some of them dealt with the principles of fellowship and leadership, with the nature and character of the church, and on spiritualizing or literalizing scriptures. These efforts provided me great assistance at the time, and again were also preparatory for us attending Sovereign Grace Baptist. We then began attending a fundamental Bible church where we knew the pastor and that he preached soundly, having recently graduated from Master Seminary. Hear Calvinism there. That was exciting. Um, However, before attending on a consistent weekly basis, we would take several Sundays a month to visit surrounding churches so as to take a pulse and see firsthand how man-centered and shallow many churches were. This was in 1995. Many of them were popular and well-attended, but were still shallow and very man-centered. So we had been at that church for 14 years, and so we wanted to look around and see what was going on. So that was basically our early adult life had been at that one church. After a while, we began to settle in, yet we knew we couldn't join because of several doctrinal issues, particularly eschatology. In time, we became more uncomfortable Although the preaching was sound, there were matters of practice. 
which in discussion with the pastor caused us concern as a family. For example, we preferred more hymns and less choruses. We were the only parents who had their children sit with them during church, and we were the only parents catechizing our children. Thanksgiving of 95, my dad challenged me and said that I needed to attend a church that supported me in the way that I was leading my family. He was right, but I took some time to make sure my decision wasn't hasty. Linda and I did not want to become church hoppers who would leave when things didn't please them. But God was showing us again that we needed to find a different church home. Growing up Baptistic and becoming Reformed, there was a time when we didn't know where we belonged. It certainly wasn't in a Presbyterian church, and the conservative Baptist denomination we were in wouldn't work either. Soon we learned about these Reformed Baptist churches, and this sure sounded great. Eventually, we learned about Sovereign Grace Baptist Church and visited a few times over the years. We had heard good reports of this church and Pastor Steve. However, we were slow to make the move because we thought it was too far to travel from Covina for church and how wrong that idea was in hindsight. It is worth every minute it takes for us to get here. After my dad's challenge to find a church that was an extension of our family, we knew that SGBC would become our church home. I met with Pastor Steve to discuss the matter of leaving the other fellowship, and then I met with the other pastor to explain to him where the Lord was leading us and why. That departure was so friendly and pleasant that the other pastor asked me to address the body before leaving. In late February 96, we began attending here at Sovereign Grace. Our kids made the transition well and looked forward each week to go to the square church. (laughs) Go outside and look at the building from a kid's perspective. I only know that because I had it in my notes from my original testimony. I had forgotten about that. In Sunday school, one of the men, for those of you that were here for a long time, Craig Meredith, you might remember the name, was teaching on the five points of Calvinism. It was refreshing to hear the people lovingly embrace those doctrines and not deride them. Since then, I've had the privilege to make use of my piano lessons, teach in Sunday school, and help out in other ways. Throughout the course of my life, I can confidently say that God has ordained my path. I am thankful for the struggles encountered, for they have worked out for good. For a few years after we started attending here, I would occasionally struggle with, am I truly a child of God? But that question usually arose because I was attempting to measure myself against someone else or against experience and feelings. We have been saved by grace through faith, not of works. It is a gift of God. Also, early on, as I grew in my knowledge of the doctrines of grace, I would wonder how I could have been saved earlier in life when I held such a faulty view of God and salvation. However, in reading some of my writings and journals from my college days, I can say that God saves us in spite of our theology. Linda and I have now been attending here for 26 years. Our children grew up here and are now grown and we're empty nesters, but we're also grandparents too. Um, It's a delight to see God's hand at work in the lives of our kids and their family. Steve and Melissa, you know, who worship with us. Andy and Sarah are down at Centinella. And we have to visit our daughters over in Hawaii. That's a, that's a burden to travel and visit her. I'd like to comment a little bit on our path to the doctrines of grace in a little more detail. And it shows how God uses little things to accomplish his purposes. If my dad was the one to introduce me to the doctrines of grace, how did he learn of these things? 
my paternal grandparents were attending a church in Mesa, Arizona. Something occurred that made my grandfather angry with the pastor, and he left the church in a huff. He found another church and started attending there. Uh, My parents went down to visit him and attended that church, and that was Cornerstone Bible Church, pastored by Jim Adams, a Reformed Baptist church. My dad was speaking to the pastor there. He learned about the Banner of Truth, Free Grace Broadcaster Magazines, Chapel Library, and Pastor Al Martin with his cassette ministry. As he contacted Reformed Baptist men to ask questions and gain information, he learned about the churches in the Phoenix Mesa area and the Southern California area. That is where he learned about Pastor Steve and Sovereign Grace at the time. And he spent my inheritance buying books, lots of books. When we would visit Havasu, I'd head down to the basement and browse his library, returning the books I finished reading and then selecting several more to take home and read. I mentioned that as Linda and I came to embrace the doctrines of grace, that we began using catechisms with our kids. We also learned the adult catechisms ourselves. This was in the early to mid-1990s. At that time, I worked for Hughes Aircraft and was located at their Fullerton division. While my office was right next to the corporate data center, we also had an important server located all the way across campus that needed to have a tape backup swatch swapped out each day. I regularly volunteered for this task. It meant a quarter-mile walk each direction. Yes, I'm involved in hiking and running now, not so much so then, so don't make a correlation there. So I'd have to go through all the quarters of the building. So I had my catechism book with me, and I worked on learning those catechisms while doing uh, that work. So the, the Lord paid me to memorize catechisms. I could also say, incidentally, you can also learn scripture while you're riding your motorcycle, uh, but those are three-by-five cards. That'd be a story for Ken and I to, to share and <laughs> laugh at. Those catechisms also proved very useful around 2014 and 2015. That was the time when our National Association was struggling with the issue of divine impassibility. Those that denied this truth believed that Scripture showed that God does change and accommodates himself to creation. God changed his mind. God relented of his action, and so forth. But for me, I went to the catechism question, what is God? The answer begins with, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Explain your denial of impassibility in light of that. That simple catechism was my anchor in that issue. Hiding God's word in our heart, memorizing catechisms, these are our anchors for our soul. We are wise to plant many anchors so that we can stand fast. The last thing I'd like to comment on before closing is about the importance of faithfully attending a local church. I grew up with parents who were actively involved in the church. They modeled a good example for me. Did I become faithful because of that example? Yet I've also seen others who were faithfully raised going to church, had credible professions, yet yet as adults their faithfulness was not present. I cannot figure out why faithfully attending the services of the church are important to me and Linda, but I do know that church is the place that I need to be each Lord's Day. I encourage all of us to faithfully attend the services of the church. This is where God feeds us from his word. This is where we fellowship with like-minded brethren. This is where we have rest from the worries and cares of the week. This is one of the most important means of grace that God has graciously given his children. 
This one day in seven that God set apart from creation as an example to follow, faithfulness to this day glorifies God and strengthens our faith. Amen.